We are, and I hate some of you are not going to like this, but we are less than two months away from the kickoff of football season. And it's very interesting when football season starts, and I look at our staff and I watch our staff, it's very obvious who they cheer for, all right? Everybody knows that Jay's going to cheer for Georgia, okay? What? <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, we know that Cooley's going to cheer for the Gators, and we know that, wow, I don't get this excited about the sermons, but I talk about their teams. We know Joel's going to cheer for Florida State, and you're going to be the only one that claps for this, but Katie cheers for Texas A&M, says she's a Maggie, all right? And for Stacy, if we were to line up a football, a basketball, a baseball, and a golf ball, she would know which one was the football, Okay? <laughs> All right? <laughs> All right? So, but, but the irony is, is I can look at them and I can know who they cheer for. I know whose team they're on, right? I know who they're, who they're going to cheer for in the coming season. And uh, whether it's in desperation or in craziness, they hope, along with I hope for my team, that they're going to end up champions when it's all over. Right? That's, that's the goal. That's the dream. That's what you hope for because you're going to cheer all out for them. You know what team they're on. Well, today I wanna, we're going to start a series about uh, what it's like to be on the right team. Because, you know, spiritually, there's only two teams. There's King Jesus' team, and there's the kingdom of darkness, Satan's team. There's not 15 different teams to choose from. There are two teams. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like to be on the right team. What are the qualities of someone who follows Jesus? What, what does it look like to follow him? And, and you may be uh, misthinking where I'm going with this, but you'll catch on pretty quickly. So we're going to go through Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at all of the verses there in the coming weeks, and we're going to look at what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in 2017. And so today we're going to look at the first two verses, and it's going to set the stage on how all of this works. What is the foundational principle, the foundational reality for those of us that follow Jesus and what we should look like as we follow him. So just as some background, we talked about Romans last week, but, but Romans is, is the first 11 chapters are Paul's great theology presentation. He, he teaches the foundations of the faith. And you get to chapter 12, and Paul begins to tell us how to live and what we're supposed to live like and what that's supposed to be like. So he moves from, from theology to a very practical reality. So we're uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, page 1137, if you're using the Pew Bible. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul writes these words, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, so if we are going to follow Christ, if we are going to live for him, if we are going to be who he wants us to be, then it all begins with this reality that we offer our bodies, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. 
right? What does that mean? So, so Paul is comparing the Old Testament to the New. In the Old Testament, you would go to the temple, you would take an animal, and it would be sacrificed in your stead. So whether it was a dove or a lamb or an ox or whatever it was, there would be a sin offering, there would be a repentance offering, there would be a thank offering, there would be all these different offerings that, that you, would, you would go to and, and you would give those at, and the priest would sacrifice them. And what the Scripture says in the Old Testament is very interesting. If someone comes with a pure heart and a pure motive and gives a sacrifice, the aroma of the sacrifice is pleasing to God. Okay, that's not a statement about God's sense of smell, all right? It's a statement about God loving the person and their dedication and connection to Him. And so what Paul says is a living sacrifice then, it's a whole different level on this side of the cross. He is saying that you offer who you are and everything about you to God. And you give up your rights and you give your authority over yourself and you make Him the center of your world. Okay, so really when you read Acts, that's what it means to follow Jesus initially. Right? We talked about this some Wednesday night. The, the idea of repentance, which is the standard by which you follow Jesus, we've always taught that, or, or many people have taught that as, as being sorry for sin, but that's not repentance. You see, sin is really just a symptom of the problem. Have you ever had a sinus infection? Okay, I've had many, right? And when you have a sinus infection, if you don't take medicine to fix the infection, you just are treating symptoms, right? So you get something for the cough, you get something so you can breathe, you get something so you can sleep, but you're not fixing the problem until you get antibiotics, right? And so you fix the problem, which ultimately with antibiotics, you, you fix the sinus infection. Well, sin is a symptom. It's not the infection. The infection is that we are self-centered and self-focused and we make ourselves the center of the world. Repentance then is turning the other direction and making God the center of our world. And in that process, yes, we find forgiveness of sin, but we have a whole new worldview. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. And so Paul says it this way, you make yourself a living sacrifice. You give up your rights and authorities and you give them over to God and you do whatever he tells you to do. You're willing to jump in and say, I'm here, I'm available, I will be whoever you want me to be. If you want me to move to a different place, if you want me to pursue a different career. And so that shows up in the workplace. As an employee, we, we go to work and, and our employer should look at, us, look at us and say, I am really glad that person's here. Because they are dedicated to what they do. I don't have to worry about where they are. I don't have to worry about them cheating me. I, I trust them fully. As an employer, the flip side, if you're a boss, your employees should be able to look at you and say, I really love working for that person. Even though they may push me, I know they care about me. You can talk about being a student or being a teacher. You can talk about going to lunch today. Right? And what should happen is, is the followers of Jesus should be the tables that the servers say, I want to serve that family. Because we're living differently. Right? And so as a living sacrifice, I realize as I go through this journey, I am focused on what God wants me to be and on Him and, and who He's called me to be, regardless of what that is. I'm in full bore. You see, when the church first started back in Acts, 
If they decided to say yes to Jesus, ultimately they were saying, yes, this may cost me my life. I'm it. And the call was, come follow Jesus and die with us. And that's what they did. And that's what it means to be all in, to be a living sacrifice. Whatever he demands, yes. So you can look at stories in the Scripture. We've been talking in Acts on Wednesday night. We talked about Paul standing before Agrippa and Festus and, and how he was really innocent. And they, uh, uh, Agrippa and Festus came together and said, you know, if he'd just not appealed to Rome, he'd be set free. But Paul knew he had been called to talk to the emperor. He said, yes. We have Jesus in the garden that before he was crucified saying, Lord, if there's any other way, take this away, but not my will, but yours be done. And so whatever you want, I'm in. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. I have multiple friends who are missionaries overseas. And I have one in Poland and one in Moscow and one in South Africa. And all of their stories are so similar because you talk to them and you, I ask them, why are you doing this? There's plenty of lost people here. Why would you go overseas? Why did you sell everything and move to a place where you don't have the freedom and the rights that you have here? Why would you go overseas to those places so that you could tell people over there about Christ? And the answer is always the same because that's what God called me to do. And all of them come back with this response and they say, you know what? It is much better to live in peace internally in a place where I'm not welcome than to live in a place where I'm welcome and not be at peace internally. Whew. That's pretty powerful stuff. But that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's being willing to say yes wherever God may lead. It's being willing to say yes to talk to that person in the grocery store that you know you're supposed to talk to. It's being willing to say yes to call the person on the phone that you're supposed to call for whatever reason. You may not even know why you're calling them. It's a willingness to say yes to write that letter or that text or that email, and you don't even know why you're doing it. Yes. Whatever you ask, big or small, God, I'm in. That's a living sacrifice. It's interesting, when you look at the Greek and the wording in this first verse, <clears throat> Paul says at the end, this is your true and proper worship. Um, the word, the word for, for proper there is rational. And so what he says, what Paul says, he makes a case, he said, when you think of the mercy that God has given you, when you think of all that God has done for you, the only rational response is to worship him by giving him your life. It's the only logical conclusion that you can come to, that you should give everything for him. He's done so much for you. Give everything to him. It's just very interesting how, how Paul worded that. So a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And so when we live as a, a living sacrifice, the aroma of that sacrifice is pleasing to God. So he goes on to verse 2 then, and he begins to tell us what this living sacrifice looks like. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So a living sacrifice is someone who does not conform to what the world does. 
So the idea is, is that there should be a difference. When people look at us and look at people who are not followers of Jesus, they should notice a difference. Okay, this should be obvious. Now, please don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I am not saying this means that we go on Facebook and tell people who don't believe like us that they're horrible people. That's not the point. And the point of this is if they're different than us, if, whether it's in word or deed or online, it's not to condemn them. It's about focusing on us. Right? That's the whole Jesus. Why do you worry about the log in your brother's eye when you've got a splinter in your own? Or are you a splinter in their eye when you have a log in your own? All right? Because the log in your eye is a lifelong project. Right? Focus on your log in your eye. It's you. You've got to worry about. And so we've got to quit trying to make everybody else like us. That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is we need to live our lives the way God has called us to live. He's got the rest of it. Okay? So we're living sacrifices by not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your minds. And the word renewing there means to renovate. To renovate. Here in Murray Hill, we have a lot of people buying houses and renovating them. And so they will start in, a, in an old condition, sometimes even a dilapidated condition, and someone will buy the house and they will recondition it and make it totally new. And it's totally transformed into a whole new building. That's to renovate. And so what Paul says is the way that you are a living sacrifice is your mind is completely renovated. That your mind is completely transformed. It's made into something completely different. It's a total renovation of who you are and how you think and, and your character and how you live and how you treat people. It's, it's a whole new reality that is made true inside of you. But here's the key. You can't renovate yourself. You can't renovate yourself. You have to be willing to let God renovate you. The last few days, uh, Ladine and I have made the transition to becoming Murray Hillians. Is that right? Is that how you say that? Are we Murray Hillians now? Um, we live in the hill, whatever. Um, and, and so it's been a four-month-long process of putting our house in the market and staging it, then after it sells, packing it, and then finding a new place to go. And, and then finally on Friday, we closed on both properties, and this weekend we've moved in um, to, to our new home up here on Sappho. And um, there's one thing, as we reflected last night, and we looked back over the whole process, is there's absolutely no way we could have done it ourselves. No way. And when we started loading the truck on Thursday till we got done yesterday, if we had done it ourselves, several things would have happened. I would have been in the hospital, um, and a lot of things would still be in the truck. It's just that simple. Because no matter how hard I worked or how hard I pushed or how hard I tried, it just would not have happened. And so there were people who stepped in and have helped us throughout this whole process, and great people, and it's been awesome to work with them, and we're so grateful for what they did. But we know that by ourselves, it would have never been pulled off. Hear me carefully. The answer is not trying to do it yourself. 
you want a transformed mind, you can't do it yourself. And so here's what we typically do. We look at life and we see an area of life that is wrong and we say, okay, I've got to fix this. I've got to make this right. I've got to change how I live. Well, see, that's what American Christianity we've taught, all right? That, that Christianity is this system to change our behavior. But that's not what it is. That's not how it works because you're going to fall short if you try it that way. So instead of trying to change your behavior yourself, what you do is you have to let the inside of you be fixed. Jesus talked to the religious leaders this way. He said, listen, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You are absolutely beautiful on the inside, but you are a bunch of dead bones on the inside. He also said, you, you clean the outside of the cup to make it look pretty, but the inside's still dirty. Why don't you clean the inside, and the outside will be clean as well? And the whole point was, listen, quit trying to fix yourself by doing the right stuff. Submit yourself to Christ, surrender to him, let him transform you, and he will make you new because you can't do it on your own. Paul wrote it in Colossians this way, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Don't try to change yourself, let God change you. And so there is a reality that we submit ourselves to who God wants us to be, and we let him change us. But see, we're so stressed out about making ourselves right that we forget that we can't do it. And so if we really want to be a Christ follower and let people see that in us, it begins by a full submission to Christ himself. Quit trying to fix all the problems. Chase after Jesus. Jesus said it this way, he said, why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so the call as followers of Jesus, if we're going to have the characteristics of a Christ follower, it all begins with this reality that I am chasing after Jesus with everything that I have. And here's what you know. Here's what you discover is over time, he begins to renovate your mind. He begins to change your character. He begins to make you new. And the rest of Romans 12, we're, we're going to see what that looks like and how it plays out. But it all starts with us being willing to give in to his leadership and to pursue him. One thing that's really cool about these two verses as he finishes this way, he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you ever wondered, what am I supposed to do with my life? What's next? What's supposed to happen? I don't know if I'm supposed to go this way or that. And what Paul says, listen, live in full submission to Christ as a living sacrifice. Let him begin to renovate you and you chase after him, and you will begin to know exactly what God's will is. He'll make it clear because your will will align with his.
So we chase after him. We pursue him. And then all of a sudden we begin to develop the characteristics and the qualities of someone who follows Jesus. So today, here's what I want you to hear me say. Quit trying to be good. Just stop it. You're not going to pull it off. Chase after a relationship with Jesus. Spend time in prayer and scripture study and the disciplines. Make yourself open to him and, and say, if you dare, say, Lord, here I am. I'm available. Show me what you want me to do today. Now, don't pray that unless you mean it because it's going to change your day. But the qualities and characteristics of a Christ follower begin as living sacrifices, submissive to him, willing to say yes wherever he leads. Let's pray.